anybody here make any New Year's resolutions? Uh, it was like, mm, maybe, maybe. Um, I'm sure you did. For me this year, I always make New Year's resolutions, but I made one that I really, really um, am quite, want to take quite seriously. And um, this is to, to totally overthrive with being more courageous. And um, I don't know where you'd put yourself on my courage ometer. Do you want to take a look at it? So it's here. So we've got the red zone. We've got I'm a scaredy cat. That's like the people who are not very courageous. We've got medium courage. And we've got the green zone. Couldn't be more courageous. So I wonder where you might put yourself on that. To, um, if you're wondering where you might be, just let, I've got a few little sort of real-life examples that might help you place yourself. So here's the fun version of that. That's coming up. So the red zone, life requires a daily risk assessment. That's a scaredy cat zone. I don't always wait for the green man. That's to do with crossing the road. And um, I'm a part-time cage fighter. That's like the ultimate in courageous. So um, as a way of starting off this talk, I'd love to do a little bit of a survey. So if you participate, it's going to make it less awkward. So who would say that they are a scaredy cat? Just put your hand up. Are you too scared to put your hand up? Or? Get it? That's good, isn't it? Okay, so there's a few scaredy cats. Is there anybody here who would say that they are in that green zone? They're like more than courageous. Anybody? Oh, there's one person. Why don't you stand up? That's it. Very, oh, oh excellent. Good work. Good work. So, so with the exception of that guy over there who's called Heinz, um, this talk is for everybody. And it's about becoming more courageous. It's about living a more courageous faith. Um, for me, I think on that courageometer, I flit between being really courageous and uh, being a bit of a scaredy cat and sort of everything in between. Um, but over Christmas, I had um, this moment of extreme courage where clearly I'm going to tell you about that story because it makes me look good. Um, so I'll tell you it. So, so what happened, to cut the long story short, is my neighbour, um, she was giving away a range cooker do you know what I mean? Like one of those five, five rings, uh, posh sort of cookers. And um, she said to me, does anybody want it that you know? And I was like, no, I don't want it. So I came into work and um, John Bodley and Abby, they said they would take it. Um, the one condition was she was away and it had to be collected from, it was in her garden. It's a bit random, but it was in her garden. Anyway, so a couple of days before Christmas, Bodders comes over um, and we go out into the garden and it becomes immediately clear within the first second that this should have been a team effort. We should have recruited a team because this thing was like a mega beast. It's massive and it was really, really heavy. So when I get out my phone, I'm like, who can we ring? Who lives locally that could help us? But a couple of days before Christmas, I couldn't really think of anyone. And so Bodders was like, man, we're just going to have to man it up. You're going to have to man it up and just move it. Yourself, move it. So um, nice attitude, by the way. But anyway, so, so we... <laughs> so we go to pick it up, and um, as we picked it up, for about a second, um, I was like, abort mission, we need to abort this mission, because it was so heavy that I thought my back was going to snap, I thought my hands were going to sort of, I don't know, be ripped off or something. It was absolutely horrendous. But not wanting to sort of be too negative about it, I um, went inside, got some gloves, got the gloves on, went for the second time. And um, in this moment, I was like, this is just never going to happen. It's so heavy. There's two of us here. And um, this is truly what happened. I just said, look, Lord Jesus, like the Spirit of God that fell on Samson in the Old Testament, just fall on me now and give me this strength. And um, as we said it, I don't know if it's a miracle, we picked up, because I had the heavy end as well. We picked it up, and, um, and we lifted it up. We took it up 
the garden, up, it was sunken up the step, down the alleyway, over this drain, up a meter of height onto this van. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for congratulating me on my courage. But that was an amazing, amazing moment. And um, you know, those bad boys weigh 130 kilograms, according to Curry's, so that's a lot. And um, no surprise that the next morning I had to take ibuprofen to be able to send a text message. It was, it was, it was bad. But anyway, tonight we're looking at what it looks like to live a courageous faith. And the place we've really got to start is, does it matter? Like, there's no point talking about courage if it doesn't matter. Do we really need to be courageous? Can we just sort of look at ourselves in the red zone on that courageometer as being scaredy cats and just think, well, do we need to do anything about it? Well, let's just imagine for a moment if, if God's people throughout history had shied away from courage, had chosen to step back rather than to take courage. Imagine if the early church had just done nothing. There would be no church. You know, God's rescue plan for, for this world, it's through us, it's through God's people, his church. Without us living a courageous faith, nothing's going to happen. And just a little example, if, you know, if John and Debbie, went, when God had called them to plant this church, if they thought, oh no, actually we can't really be bothered, you know, it feels like a bit of a risk, it feels like too much courage, many of you here wouldn't know Jesus. Many people across this city and beyond wouldn't have had their lives transformed. You know, as followers of Jesus, we're called to live a courageous faith. It's not like, um, like a bolt-on. It's, it's not an added extra. And I don't believe it's dependent on how courageous we are when we look at ourselves. And I believe that the Lord wants to, to use each one of us. He longs for each one of us to be full of courage in every workplace, in every relationship, in all our families, so that the world might see Jesus. So what does it even look like to have a courageous faith? What even is courage? And so I don't believe that courage is like simply the absence of fear. You know, the absence of fear can sometimes just be stupidity. For example, um, if you decided that you wanted to go and tell people about Jesus on the M1 whilst you're blindfolded walking along, stop flagging down the cars, that probably wouldn't be the most intelligent situation. As Christians, I think courage is choosing to do the will of God, even when it feels risky or when we feel afraid. And courage sometimes looks different in different situations. You know, sometimes it's like, it's like stepping out. It's, it's telling our mates about Jesus. It's telling our families. It's going for it. Other times, it's simply choosing to trust Whatever curveball might come our way is choosing to trust him. And from the beginning of time, God, he's commanded his people to fear not, to be courageous. And probably one of the most um, well-known times in the Bible was when this guy Joshua was taking on the mantle of leadership from Moses for the nation of Israel. And there's a number of times in this passage, Joshua 1 verse 9, where God commands courage. This is one of them. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know, I love that passage. Because God is, he, he's almost sort of like calling out the courage. And then he's reassuring Joshua, 
with his presence. You know, Joshua, he must have been nervous. Like, he's taking on this incredible leadership role. He must have been anxious. But yet God reassures him time and time again in that passage. He reassures him with his presence. And that's a key point that I want to get across tonight, is that when God asks us to live a courageous faith, it's not possible because, like, we're so awesome. It's possible because he is the one who is awesome. His presence is with us every minute of every day. And you know, throughout the Bible, we, 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 we see people courageously following God's lead. But in most of those circumstances, it doesn't lead to this sort of comfortable, nice, easy kind of life. You know, it's impossible to read the Bible without being challenged. Following Jesus demands everything. And courage is a choice. We choose to live a courageous faith. And um, when I was preparing for this, I came across a, a, a quote from a lady called Brené Brown. And uh, she's an American philosopher. No, not philosopher. Research professor. And um, amongst other things, she talks about courage. And she says this. She says, you can choose comfort or you can choose courage. But you can't choose both. You can choose courage or you can choose comfort. But you can't choose both. And I think that's worth just thinking about for a minute. You know, is there any truth in what she's saying? And, you know, although I don't think that statement is an absolute, I think it's really helpful. You know, for me, my most comfortable place is um, it's in my house. It's, it's, it's lying on my sofa with a little fleecy blanket covering me. Um, I spent a little bit of time there this afternoon, I must say. And having a courageous faith doesn't mean that we can't ever lie there on a sofa. It doesn't mean that we can't ever do things like that. You know, sometimes it's courageous. The most courageous thing to do is to stop, is to take a rest. But in most situations, the word comfort and the word courage, they don't really fit very well together. You know, if I spent my whole life on the sofa, under the blanket, I'd be ever so comfortable, it'd be wonderful, but there wouldn't be very much courage involved. Courageous faith is often, it's a step away from being comfortable. So when it comes to our faith, do we choose comfort or do we choose courage? And that's the question I'm asking myself because, you know, if I'm honest with you, and I don't think I'm alone in this, I think it's far too easy sometimes to choose comfort, especially living in this society. But when I think about the goal of, of living this courageous faith, I get excited because I think it's what pleases God. And I want, you know, I want my life to please him. So um, if, you've, if you've read the Bible, you'll know that there's lots in there about courage. But I've been massively challenged as I've been reading the book of Acts, rereading it over the last couple of weeks. And so we're going to be looking at that tonight. We're going to be jumping around a little bit. But we're going to be looking at how we can look at the early church and we can be inspired by the words of this book. So we're mainly going to be focusing on Acts 27. If you've got your Bible, get it out and uh, open it up. If you haven't, it will come up on the screens. So this story is a story of Paul getting shipwrecked. And um, the book of Acts, it comes straight after the Gospels. The Gospels, they're the stories of Jesus. And the book of Acts, um, it, it starts with Jesus saying to his disciples, saying, wait for the Holy Spirit to come on you and then be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. 
And so, and then Jesus, like, he ascends into heaven, and the disciples do exactly as he's told them to. And in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit uh, comes in power. They're filled with this incredible um, courage, and the early church just explodes numerically and in power. And if you've never read Acts, you should, because, you know, somebody should make, like, a blockbuster of it. It's absolutely amazing. You know, they're seeing thousands of people come to know Jesus. They're worshipping Jesus. They're getting persecuted. They're getting chucked in jail. They're getting shipwrecked. They're seeing people healed, set free. It's amazing. And in chapter 17, these guys, people start to notice that something's going on. And these guys, the early church, are described as people who turn the world upside down. Acts 17 says this, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, saying that there is another king, Jesus. You know, these guys, they've got a courage which is off the charts on the, on the green thing, on, on, my, on my courage-ometer. You know, do we want to be men and women who turn the world upside down because we're so in love with Jesus, people see Jesus in us, that they come to know him? Do we want to have that courageous faith? And so in, as Acts goes on, uh, one of the key characters in there is this guy called Paul. And he has a dramatic conversion experience. You can read about it in Acts 9. He goes from, um, from persecuting Christians to meeting Jesus to totally going for it, for telling people about Jesus. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he just courageously goes for it. And there's lots of things that happen along the way. Um, but in chapter 27, Paul ends up on a boat. So we're, we're there now. So at this point, Paul is handed over to, to a centurion named Julius. And uh, there's a whole bunch of them on this sailing boat. And on the way, they experience this massive, massive storm. So here we are, verse 9. This is Paul warning the people. He says, men, I can see that our voyage, 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 it's not, I'm not a French, um, the, the voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. So they continue sailing and they end up in what was like a jumbo storm, that's more my words, a bit of a paraphrase. And we get to verse 18, it said, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their hands. When neither sun or stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. And after they'd gone a long time without any food, Paul, he stands up before them and he says, men, you should have taken my advice when I said not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself damage and loss. But now I urge you, keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all those who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. So um, this time, they think it's wise. They listen to Paul's advice. They try to shipwreck themselves but again, it goes wrong, and Paul encourages them again. In verse 33, he says, Just before dawn, 
Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, I mean, that's a long time. They must have been well hungry. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to eat some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you is going to lose a single hair from your head. After this, he, he takes the bread and he gave thanks to God in front of all of them. Then he broke it and began to eat it. They were all encouraged and they ate some food together. Altogether, there was 276 of them on, on, on board. When they'd eaten as much as they wanted, they, uh, they lightened the load by chucking the rest of it into the sea. And so what happens is the daylight comes. They don't know where they are, but they see this sandy bay. They end up getting shipwrecked and they swim or they float to safety. And the story ends in verse 44 saying, in this way, everybody reached land safely. What an amazing story. And I'd encourage you to, there's loads of detail in that, and I encourage you to read it later. But I think there's, there's, there's some points in this story where Paul shows courageous faith. And we're going to take a bit of a look at them, if that's okay. So the first one is that courageous faith worships. Courageous faith is constantly reminded by how big God is. Um, when I was a kid, I used to go to Sunday school, and we sang this song. I don't know if any of you would know if you do you can join in I'm not going to sing it oh anyway uh, so the song goes my God is so big so strong and so mighty there's nothing that he cannot do and it goes little clap and then it sort of repeats and I used to play it on my flute in the music group and why are you laughing it was like no I got to um I got to grade two and then I sat on it and it bent anyway um so um yeah it's actually a true story but anyway but, um yeah, I've lost the point. Anyway, so, um, so Vineyard Kids, they've got a version of this song. It says, our oh, God is a great big God. That's a way cooler version of that song. But it's a great song because the early church, they live with that attitude. They live with the attitude that our oh, God is bigger, he's higher, he's stronger, he's way above us, he's amazing. They had a confidence in Jesus because they'd seen him do amazing things. They had a confidence because of all the things that he'd done. You know, Paul knew there was nothing special about him. The extraordinary power that he had, the things that he saw, was because of God living inside of him. It was because of the Holy Spirit. And his response was always to worship. You know, I love the moment in this story where they're in the middle of the storm. There's this chaos going around them. But when they get their hands on the food, you know, 14 days they hadn't eaten for. 14 days they must have been so hungry. But yet, Paul stops. He worships. He thanks the Lord. Uh, and this 30, verse 35 says, after he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of all of them. Then he broke it and began to eat it, and they were all encouraged. And I think we can take real inspiration from this story and from the attitude of the early church. You know, there's something about coming to God in worship, just like we did just now, that changes our perspective. Because it moves our, our eyes from being on us and on our stuff to being on God's. God, my God is so big, so strong, so mighty, there's nothing that he cannot do. You know, it doesn't always change the situation when we come to God in worship, but it keeps us focused on who God is. So courageous faith worships, it also holds on during the storms. You know, Paul and the people on that boat, they are in the middle of the craziest storm so much that they get shipwrecked. You know, it's really difficult to sort of put yourself in that situation. I've never been shipwrecked. I mean, not many of us probably have. 
Um, but I had a close, well, it wasn't a close call, but it was sort of a moment when um, I was on holiday a few years ago with um, my friend Jude, and we'd been on this snorkeling trip, and it was all going really well. It was brilliant until the storm whipped up, and you know, on a boat, it normally goes like, ding, like, ding, like when the waves come. That's all right, because it's just up and down. But this was a rolling sort of thing, like side to side. And a bit of water sort of, I think, started coming in. And, and it was a little bit nervous, but quite funny at the same time. And I was finding it quite funny, because I saw the land. And arrogantly, I thought, if we go over, I'll just swim it. Um, which I don't know whether I could have done, but I'd like to think I could. But um, Jude, on the other hand, not so confident in the water. And she was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? She started to panic. And I was just like, I don't know, just get away from the boat, and we'll just work it out. And uh, I'll see you later. Um, it's harsh, isn't it? Anyway, but I've never actually been in a shipwreck. But I think there's moments for us in our lives where it sometimes feels like we're in a bit of a storm. Sometimes maybe where it even feels like we might get shipwrecked. And I love Paul's response in this story because a couple of times he says, take courage, and he holds on. He holds on. You know, what would we do in that situation? I would start crying, definitely. But courage holds on, no matter how hard life might get. <clears throat> and for me, I've seen this amazing, courageous faith in, in a couple of my friends recently. You know, they've been through a massive storm in their lives. And to be honest, I found their courage so unbelievably inspiring. So I asked their permission to share this story with you. So these guys, and um, they're some of my best friends. We were all friends together at youth, and they fell in love and um, had two amazing children. And, um, and at some point last year, they told me that they were expecting their third baby. And so they were so excited about it. They were just, they were, they were loving it, super, super excited. And as the pregnancy went on, it became increasingly clear that there was something wrong with the baby. And that if, if she was to live, that would be quite, for quite a short time but it was really likely that she wouldn't. And so you can imagine for, for these guys, it was horrendous. Like their hopes, their dreams, the future was unknown and they were in a mess. But their response was amazing. Every day they held on, they, they prayed for a miracle, they asked their friends to pray, they just went big on Facebook, they put it all on there. They refused to lose sight of Jesus. And you know, this isn't a story of a crazy miracle where God intervened in the way that we wanted, in the way that we were praying. The baby was born still and is with Jesus. But the courage of my friends in the midst of this has been unbelievable. Their life shattered, feeling like a mess. And for me, I, um, I had like, the privilege of being involved in the Thanksgiving service. And um, as a way of preparing for that, me and, me and the guy, we had a chat on the phone. And um, we had this conversation where he said to me, he said, you know, Suze, I feel like my life is in a mess. I don't understand, but I know enough of God. I've seen enough of him in my life to know that ultimately he is good and that he is in control. And so in this situation, I choose to trust him. I know enough of God. I've seen enough of him to know that he's good and I choose to trust him. What an amazing response. You know, have we seen enough of God in our lives so that when the storms come, that we're able to hold on to courageously trust him? 
And at that Thanksgiving service, he stood up and, and he shared the gospel with his friends and with his family. And many of those people there didn't know Jesus. And they were profoundly, profoundly impacted by their courageous faith. You know, where the temptation was just to let go of God's hand, they chose to hold on. Courageous faith holds on. And I don't want to, you know, belittle anybody's situation here. You know, some of you, I imagine, are in terrible moments at the moment. But I think the inspiration from, from the Bible is to hold on to Jesus in it. He is the one who is good and is ultimately always in control. So courageous faith, it worships, it holds on. It also does the normal stuff of life, but presses in when God prompts us. So courageous faith holds on. It lives in the ordinary, but presses into the extraordinary. You know, Paul and these guys, they were at sea for a number of weeks. And aside from that, they did a lot of traveling. I think there's a little map that will come up. Yep, there we go. So the little boat, I drew that myself. No, I didn't. Um, but the, the boat is like when they're at sea, and then there's lots of different bits on there that you can take a look at. But what that shows is they did a lot of traveling. And um, this book of Acts, when you read these chapters... You know, that's really, it's the highlights. It's so many extraordinary moments of the stuff that God has done. But aside from that, you know, they were doing the normal stuff. They were, you know, they had to get on the ship, they had to sail, they would have to walk along, they'd have to eat, they'd have to go to sleep. You know, they were probably had moments where it just felt like they were plodding along, doing normal stuff. But then God prompts them and the extraordinary happens. And as I've thought about what courageous faith looks like, you know, I thought it's a little bit like that for us. There's all the ordinary stuff of life, like, you know, going to work or going to uni or looking after your kids or for me going to B&Q again to try and get the right color on the wall, you know, doing the food shop. All these things are ordinary and sometimes a little bit boring. But in the midst of that, there's the opportunity to listen for God's prompting. And uh, the other week, I met up with, um, with a guy called Dom. He's a student in our church. Um, not, he was here, but he's gone to another city now, to, to university. And um, he just loves the Lord. And uh, he's gone to university, and he's just going for it. And he's, he's managed to get himself onto the, onto the uni football team. And um, in the first term, he's invited six of his team to church, and they all came along. And he told me this story of this guy who's a medical student who had... Um, Something wrong with his quad. I think that's the leg area. Um, is that right? Yeah, yes, should have checked that. Um, but, but he did the warm-up before this match, and um, he was like, I'm too injured to be able to play. So he said, I'm not going to play. So Don was like, well, let me pray for you. And um, this guy laughed him off. And um, if you know Dom, he's quite persistent, so he wouldn't have given up easily. And um, so he ends up praying for this medical student who is basically healed, and he plays that match for 90 minutes pain-free. Amazing story, isn't it? That's courageous faith in action. This normal guy, Dom is a very, very normal guy, just doing normal stuff, being on a football team, but when God prompts, he just goes for it. Where's God prompting you to press into the extraordinary? So courageous faith worships, it holds on during the storms, it presses into the extraordinary amongst the normal stuff, and it pushes into God's presence. 
Courageous faith pushes into God's presence and to his power. You know, I love the authority that Paul has in this story to trust God. It's so inspiring. In the midst of this crazy situation, he's like, God has told me that this is going to happen. He just has a, a faith in Jesus, which is so inspiring. And I don't know what your response to that is. You know, sometimes I can, I can read the Bible and I can think, um, I can feel a little bit intimidated by all these heroes of the faith. You know, it can feel a little bit unattainable, can't it? But what's really interesting is when you look at the stories of the guys in the Old Testament and them doing something amazing, we see that the Holy Spirit has fallen upon them, come and met with them and given them this courage. You know, if you read through, you'll see people like Joseph and Moses, Joshua, Saul, David, Gideon, Elijah, Elisha. There's all these people that the Holy Spirit empowers them to be courageous. And we read in in one of the prophets in Joel of the Holy Spirit coming on everyone. It says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And this is exactly what happened at Pentecost in Acts 2. The early church, they were filled with this spirit, so much so that people thought they were drunk. You know, they looked at them and they knew something had happened. And it's impossible for you to to look back and read Acts without noticing the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, so many times it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit or they laid hands on people. And the fruit of it, it was the explosion of the church. It was healings, it was freedom, it was salvation. Courage came in his presence. And you know, so much of Paul's life, he he lived a life that was full of the Holy Spirit. And later on, he writes a letter to the church in Ephesians and... um, He urges the church to be continually filled. It's not this one-time filling. It's a continual filling over and over again. And um, I remember a time um, some time ago when um, my neighbour was in hospital. It's the other neighbour to the the oven. And um, she was really poorly. And um, I went to the hospital with my main aim was to obviously be nice and take some presents, but um, was also to pray for her. But it was a bit awkward because... um, it was one of those wards where it was quite small and all the curtains were like drawn back. So everyone, no one else had any visitors, so everyone was sort of listening, do you know, do you know what I mean? And um, I was like, this is a bit awkward. But it got to the point where I was like, I need to leave. Um, and, and I was just sort of kept talking and I was like, oh. anyway. So I was like, I just need to pray that God would fill me with his spirit to give me the courage right now just to go for it. So I'm in the hospital and um, I just did that silently. It wasn't a dramatic moment, just silently in my head. I said, God, just fill me right now so that I can pray for my neighbor. And um, so I prayed that and then literally I just opened my mouth and I was like, I'd I'd love to pray for you. And uh, she was like, you can, not expecting it to be a sort of in the hospital situation. So I just went for it and prayed for her. And uh, it, you know, it wasn't a really long situation, but prayed for her. And it was so clear that God was really meeting with her. And actually, she's, she's loads better as well. So it was an amazing opportunity. And if you think about um, Joshua, you think about Paul, you think about my friends with their baby, you think about Dom, you think about me in the hospital, you know, all of these people are just normal people. 
You know, with their own hang-ups, their own insecurities, their own pasts. But they were courageous because the Holy Spirit filled them. It was his power in them. And if you think back to that story right at the beginning I told about moving that oven, God is saying to me, Susie, just man it up and move, that, move the oven. Do it in your, in your own strength. You know, God isn't like that. He didn't say to, to Joshua, you know, fear not, don't be discouraged, don't be afraid, and then just like leg it out of the way and let him get on with it. He says, fear not, don't be discouraged or afraid because I, the Lord, your God, am with you every step of the way. You know, it's his power in us that enables us to live the courageous faith. The fear not is qualified by his presence. So, you know, if we want to be followers of Jesus, a church that is known for turning this world upside down, not because we're so great, but because he is, we need to live a courageous faith that, that worships God, that holds on during the storms, that does the normal stuff but listens to God's prompting and presses into the Holy Spirit. So why don't we stand? And um, we've got loads of time tonight. And as we start to pray, it might help if you, if you call with it, perhaps to close your eyes and, and put your hands out. Because I believe that God's here and, um, and he wants to come and meet with us in power right now. So, so I guess the question for all of us is, is do you want to have an ever-increasing courageous faith? Do you want that? Whether you don't know Jesus yet or whether you've been following him for ages. And I'm reminded of Jesus' words to to the early church before he ascends into heaven and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. So Holy Spirit, we, we humbly ask you, would you come right now? Come in power and fill us your church afresh. Fill us with a boldness and a courage.